You are listening to the Restoration LA podcast. For more, visit us at restorationla.org. If you don't know, I'm Steve uh, Martell, a husband to Jessica Martell. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, I get to land this all-in series. And if it was up to me, I would just add more and more um, um, slides so Jennifer can just continue to preach through everything that happens in the life of our church. It's so amazing. So um, I hope I can be that excited. Like I said, I am excited. I'm expecting for God to do some amazing things. Um, I, I know Zeke started to, uh, he prayed for me, he introed me. Um, but Jody and Vanessa are ministering to Frontier Church in Pasadena right now. Um, so their service starts at 10 o'clock. It is 1030. So I'm assuming that they're, they're probably going to be up right now. So if, if we can, I wanted to just take a couple seconds and I wanted to pray for them. I wanted to pray for that church. Is, is, that, is that cool? Can we do that? So Lord, I just uh, lift up Frontier Church to you, God. I, I lift up uh, Chris and Sue and, and Jody and Vanessa. And I just pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would con- continue to fill that place. Lord, I pray, God, those those who come in through those doors, Lord, will fill you, that they would see you, that they would know you. Lord, I pray, God, that you would be with Jody and Vanessa as they minister. I pray, God, that they would bring the truth of your gospel to this church. Lord, I pray against any fear. I pray against any worry. And I just pray, Lord, that they would continue to just preach your gospel in boldness. In your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. 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 Awesome. I'll do that at the end. Cool. You guys good? All right. Welcome back, Renee. Cool. How many of you guys know what this slide is? It's coming up. How many of you guys know what that slide is? Does anybody use that, that emoji? There's, there's some different age in, in the room. It's 100, right? So basically, this emoji means keep it 100. How many of you know what keep it 100 means? Nobody? I'm just going to, if nobody knows, then I'll just dump it. We, we know, it. keep it real, keep it 100, right? How many of you feel you keep it 100? A lot of you for, are from East LA, so I'm assuming you keep it 100, right? We like to keep it 100, right? So that emoji means keep it 100, and it sounds like a great idea. And I would like to think that in my life, I keep it 100, right? We, we, we expect other people in our lives to keep it 100, right? We expect our wife to keep it 100, Right? We expect our friends to keep it 100. We expect our bosses and our jobs and our, our coworkers to keep it 100. If I got to keep it 100, you got to keep it 100. Right? But how many of you know when you expect your wife to keep it 100 and then she does, and then we're like, whoa, wait, wait, what are you doing? Right? Well, why are you saying those things? Like, don't, don't tell me all the truth. Like, tell me how this outfit looks good or whatever, right? Right? We, we think we understand what keeping it 100 means. We think we understand what 100 means. We want that. We expect that for others. But when it comes to us, if, if we're honest, we, we don't like 100. We don't like to be all in. We don't like that stuff. I know I do not like to be 100% committed to anything because I know myself and I'm, knowing, I'm realizing that I like a little wiggle room. So I don't say I keep it 100. You can take that off now. I say I keep it 99. I keep it 98 because I know myself. I need some wiggle room. I do not like to be committed, right? I don't like to be tied down to things. 
And then we understand as we as we're the fourth week into this all in series, we're understanding the weight of what it looks like and what it's it's supposed to be to be all in. It's like how many of us can attain to that? How many of us can actually walk that out? How many of us can actually grasp what Jesus did on that cross and say, you know what? I can do that, too. And it's daunting and it's hard. So, so we, we were looking for wiggle rooms and a lot of us, and I was sitting in this front row and I was starting to checklist some of the things in my life, what makes me not acceptable to be all in. And I start looking at my faults and I start to look at my failures and I start to look at those things and go, see, those are all the reasons why I can't be all in. I can't be a hundred. I can't keep it 100. I, I can't, right? And I, I wanted to say that there is breakthrough for those, for those thoughts, Right? There, there is an answer for those thoughts. There is an answer for those, those, those doubting and those questionings. Even if you're like me and you like to keep it 99 and you like the wiggle room. You guys good? Awesome. Story time. So I have a tendency of breaking washing machines. What does that have to do with Jesus? You'll get it. I have a tendency of breaking washing machines. Some of you know, Eric knows. I overfill them. Now, if, if you're not supposed to fill them, I don't know why they make them so big. But I like to, I, I do a lot of the, the, the washing and I, I fill them up because I'm trying to get done. I'm trying to get in. I'm trying to get out. I'm trying to get clean clothes as fast as I possibly can. So I have a washer. My friend gifts me a washer and I break it. And I go to, to look at washer repair and how much it's going to cost to fix that thing. And it's $150 to $200 everywhere I look. And it's crazy. It's a ripoff, right? So then we start saying, you know, well, Jess, you know, the laundry mat is not that bad. So, you know, we do the laundry mat thing for a couple of days and, and it's just terrible, right? With three kids running around and all the coins, it, it's just the worst. But I'm not trying to buy another one, Right? And I definitely don't want to buy another one. I definitely don't want to spend $150 for somebody to repair something for two minutes. Like, that's not happening. There's no way. So I have an idea. I run to YouTube, like a lot of us do when we get into a bind. So I go on YouTube, and I watch hours and hours of videos on how to fix this problem, right? So I identify the problem. I go on Amazon. I buy some parts. I'm ready to do this. Right? I make sure I have all the tools. I'm good to go. So I start taking this thing apart. And on the outside, it doesn't look like there's like, what, four screws to this whole thing? But when you start taking those things apart, you realize you have a hundred screws and bolts and nuts everywhere, right? So I have everything all in my washroom spread out, and it's a mess, right? And I'm trying to do my best to keep where, the, where, everything, go, uh, where everything goes, and it, it is wild. But, you know, at the end of the day, I watched the videos. I watched YouTube. I, I bought the parts. I went on Amazon. I had everything I needed. I had the tools. But then I came to a point where it was just, it was too complicated, right? It was too complicated. I got frustrated. I was overwhelmed. It was, I got tired, and it was just too hard. You guys been there? Right? So you quit. So you quit. All right, I'll buy one from OfferUp. Pull up OfferUp. <laughs> right? 
And before I did that, it was a blessing from the Lord because our friend Katie and Larry gave us their washer. Shout out to Katie and Larry. And it was, a, it was a beautiful, it was a double stacked washer and a dryer. It was amazing. The nicest thing I ever owned. So I removed that piece of junk washer from my washroom. I threw it to the alley, threw all the screws in it, who cares, right? And now I have so much space in my washroom because this thing's a double stack. It fits perfectly at the end of my washroom. I am set. It's amazing. I am excited to wash clothes. It's great. After a couple of uses. See, some of you are like, why didn't you call me? That's the reason why I didn't call you. <laughs> After a couple uses, it starts to leak from the bottom. Of, and I'm like, ah, it's just water. It's water in there. It's supposed to leak. Um, and then it stops spinning. Right? Stop spinning. So I have, a, I have a decision to make. I have a choice to make. So I go on YouTube. I go on YouTube and I watch the videos, hours of videos. I know how to do this one. I go on Amazon and I buy the parts to it because it's a different one, so I need new parts. This time it was going to be different. Right? This time it was going to be different. So I take this thing apart, and it's a lot more difficult than it looks from, from the outside. But I have all the parts, all the screws, all the bolts. I have everything where they needs to belong. I have everything so I don't lose anything. I was ready to go. Remember, I watched YouTube. I, I have the parts. I went on Amazon. I'm good to go. And it was difficult. It was difficult, but I managed to get it all apart, and it got complicated, and I got frustrated, and I got overwhelmed, and I got tired, but this time it was different. I turned the washer into a storage compartment. (laughs) I didn't fix the washer, but I repurposed the washer, so now you just open the top, and it's perfect for the soaps and for anything else that you want to just throw in there. So I turned it into a storage compartment. And then I realized that when things get difficult and when life gets hard or tasks become overwhelming or complicated and I get tired and I get frustrated, I start to, t- I start to push those things aside. The important things, the things that need to get done, I start to look for a way around the situation or around the problem. Right? And if you're like me, you start to give less attention to those things. I have two washers in my washroom now. The one space, the, I was so happy about free space. I have two washers that don't work in my washroom right now. But you just start to not, you start to block those things out. You start not to give those attention. It's not a big deal, right? You start to avoid those hard things. And when things get difficult, it's easy to make excuses or it's, hard, it's easy to, to look for a way out. Look for a way out of those tasks and those responsibilities, right? It's easy to look for a back door. It's easy to just... Look, just look for an out when life and things get too hard. You guys with me? 15 plus years ago, I made a decision to be all in. I made a decision to follow Jesus. I made a decision to give my life to Jesus. I didn't make a, a, a decision to just attend a church. I didn't make a decision to just read my Bible. I didn't make a decision to just pretend like God is God. I made a decision to follow Jesus. And for 15 plus years, I never looked back. And it's not because it hasn't been hard. And it's not because it hasn't been tough. And it's not because I'm great. It's not because I'm holier than most. It's not because that I have this whole thing figured out. It's because that 15 plus years ago, when I said yes to the Lord, and when I said yes, that I'm going to follow him. And when I said that prayer, I knew that there was no other options. 
There was no other options. I know that once I made that choice, there was nothing to turn back to. The living of the way of the world and doing what my friends used to do and living life for yourself. There was no other options because I was I made the choice and I made that decision to live for the Lord. I knew at that moment I was all in. You guys with me? Now, I understand that 2020 was a very challenging year. And it was a terrible year, if I'm going to be honest. And I know that there were some good things that happened, but for the most part, it was a very tough year. We've seen tons of death pile up. I've seen friends lose their jobs. I've seen my family and my friends losing loved ones. Suicide rates were on a rise. All the racial injustice and terrible things that were taking place out in the streets. People who were losing hope. Church doors closing. Christians walking away. Marriages ending. All the relational and friendship tension. Faith being lost. It was a terrible year. It was hard. And I was frustrated. And it was tough. And it was complicated. And I was tired. And I'm sure a lot of you in this room felt the same way. I'm pretty sure a lot of you in here felt that tension. I, feel, I believe a lot of you felt the, the just the inclement, I don't know that was a terrible word, the, just the little pieces of hope just floating, floating away. And you see yourself just finally just like, man, this is, this is too hard. This is too hard. This is getting too difficult. It's getting too complicated. It's getting too tough. I'm getting overwhelmed. I'm getting tired. But you guys are still here. But you guys are still here. And for those of you at home, you are still here. Faithfully logging on online. Never miss the service. You in, here, in, in this room, faithfully coming through. Maybe not in the, in the building, but maybe you're still loving people. Maybe you're still supporting people. Maybe you're still encouraging your friends. You're still dropping off gift baskets. You're still checking in on kids and kids ministry. You're still doing the work of the Lord. And I applaud you. And I was, we had a, a kids ministry meeting. And I was just, man, I, I can't wait till we get to the point where we don't have to reference 2020, right? Where we get so far removed from it, where we don't have to keep going back. And I was just, I, I wish we don't have to go back, right? And like I told my kids ministry that my year, my 2021 year officially starts tomorrow. Because my January and February still had 2020 stuff going on in there. And it's just like, man... But you're still here. Our faith is still growing and we still find ourselves hoping and clinging on to Jesus. Amen. I wanted to check out a few scriptures before we get into the meat of what God has for us this morning. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you could turn to Luke 9, verse 57. If you don't have it, it'll be up on the screen, I believe. So many scriptures that we've been through already and we've mentioned through this whole four weeks of this series. Um, but I wanted to talk about this one because this one is a lot of times a lot of us. And I know it's been me. So Luke 9, verse 57, it says, as they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus replied, foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests. But the son of man has no place to even lay his head. He said to another person, come follow me. The man agreed, but he said, Lord, first, let me return home and bury my father. 
But Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach the kingdom of God. And another said, yes, Lord, I will follow you. But first, let me uh, say goodbye to my family. But Jesus told him, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. And that's wild. And that's a tough scripture to, to, to understand. But I believe it, it does draw an amazing picture. And I don't want to get into everything that's going on in the scripture, but I know that we have seen this. I know that we have been here before. I've known that maybe even our own lives, we've been these two people. Right? Jesus calls us. He calls us and he invites us in. And, he be- and we begin to not only have the faith or, or not only to have our faith questioned, but we begin to second guess what Jesus is doing. We begin to question the situation. We're telling Jesus, Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus, I'll follow you. I'm in. And then we, and then we begin to look for wiggle room, right? We begin to look for that 98%, the 99%. We begin to look back. Some of us make excuses. We all make these excuses. You know, um, well, Jesus, you want me to follow you, but you know, I'm, I'm not really wearing my following shoes right now. So let me go change my shoes and then I'll follow you. Right? But, but what if I miss something else? If I, if I go all in and I, and I go to follow you, what, but what if I miss something? What if I miss something back there? Oftentimes, we let the butts get in the way of what Jesus has for us. And these two men who said they would follow had some butts, right? But God, some of us have some butts that get in the way. But what if I fail? But what if my friends think I'm weird? But what if the music's too loud? But first, Jesus, let me do this. But maybe if we do this other thing. But let me get my, right, my, my life right first, and then I'll follow you, Jesus. The butts. Jesus is saying that he wants stronger marriages. And I know that God is saying that in the life of this church. The first thing we think of is, but God, she's not going to change. But God, she doesn't listen. But God, he doesn't come to church. But God, he doesn't believe. In our friendships. But God, no one else is doing that. But Jesus, my uncle said. But God, my coach has said. My teacher has said. And I want to make it clear, church. God is saying to this church, to be all in. To be all in in your marriage. To be all in in your jobs. To be all in in your friendships. To be all in in your schooling. To be all in wherever you find yourself today. Don't be 98, 99. Don't be 97%. Be all in. Be all in. First Kings 19, 21. It's one of my favorite scriptures. 
It's a portion of scripture where Elijah is choosing Elisha to take over the mantle. And it says, so Elijah went and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, plowing a field. There were 12 teams of oxen in the field, and Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak across his shoulders and then walked away. Elisha left the oxen standing there, ran after Elijah and said to him, first, let me go kiss my father and mother goodbye, and then I will go with you. Elijah replied, go on back, but think about what I have done to you. So Elisha returned to his oxen, slaughtered them. He used the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh. He passed around the meat to the townspeople, and they all ate. Then he went with Elijah as his assistant. God calling. God calling. Commissioning Elisha. Uses Elijah. Elijah throws his cloak. No words or no conversation, no sentences, no meetings, no anything was said. He just knew that that was God. And yes, he did say, let me, go, let me go back first and let me kiss my mom and say goodbye. But then what else does he do? Everything that he was about, he, he plowed the fields for a living. And Elisha burned the plows. He burned the plows. He slaughtered the oxen. This is everything that he knew. This is where he made his living. This is what he did. And he burned them. He had a barbecue. He fed everyone around him, but he did those things because there was no looking back. When he said yes to God and when he said yes to this daunting task, he wanted to make sure that there was nothing to look back to. He wanted to make sure that there was nothing to go back to, that there was no other options. There was no turning back. See, to be all in means there is no turning back. There's no other options. There's no room for wiggle room. We're not looking for way out, so we're not making excuses. Us, as a church, we are all in. And God wants us to be all in. As we heard the last few weeks, in complete surrender. All in in complete surrender. All in in our sacrifice. All in in our sharing of what God has given us. And it's daunting. And it's hard. And it's complicated. And oftentimes in that you get frustrated. But if God has said it, then he will see it through. Amen. So to add to the S in our series. If we are going to be the church that is all in. We are going to be the church that is completely sold out for Jesus. That is completely sacrificing all that we have, surrendering all that we have, sharing all that we have is going to take something that we haven't talked about. And that's steadfastness. It's going to take a church that is steadfast. It's going to take husbands that are steadfast. It's going to take wives that are steadfast. It's going to take young people who are steadfast. It's going to take our kids to be steadfast. Right? We're going to need to be steadfast to the people who are all in, to be believers that are all in, a church that is all in. It's going to take people who choose to be steadfast. First Corinthians 15. Verse 58. Says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast. This is Paul talking to the Corinth church. Be steadfast, immovable, 
always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. The NLT version says, so my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. That's pretty solid choice of words there. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that our work and that toil is never in vain. It's never useless. The work that you put in today is not going to bite you in the butt tomorrow. It's never in vain. The Greek word for steadfast here in the scripture is igdrios. And it means to be stationary. It means to be firm and steady. Stationary, firm, steady. Something that is strong, unbendable, unbreakable. Something that is permanent, fixed, and stable. And when Paul urges the church in Corinth to be steadfast, he's calling them to be totally reliable, a solid foundation, not shaky, not flaky, or unpredictable. I believe that these are very good characteristics for the Christian man, for the Christian woman, for the church, right? Very good characteristics. Someone that's not flaky or uncommitted. This doesn't sound like someone who's trying to search for wiggle room. This doesn't sound like a person. This sounds like a person that I can hang with, that I can trust, that I can rely on. Right? We want those people in our lives. We want to surround ourselves with people who are like that. We want a church that is like that. Right? Want us to be committed. Wants to be steadfast, dependable. Right? Unbreakable, unshakable, unbendable. We have to be that people. We have to be those kind of believers. He continues to use the word immovable. We shouldn't be completely shaken, church. We should not be shaken. We should not be swayed. He's using these words because this early church was was being um, manipulated by some some doctrines, some other teachings, some things that tickled the ear, right? They're being swayed. They're being easily lured onto some other sort of gospel. And we can't be easily swayed. We cannot be easily lured away. We must be like pillars. Pillars. Pillars that help hold up structures and buildings Foundations, all in, immovable when it comes to the things of the Lord. God would ask that we would be like pillars who hold up solid foundations. And without these pillars, this whole building would come falling, crashing down. Right? Restoration LA. God has called you to be all in. All in. And I know that we are all in different places in our time here. I know that we're all different places in our walks with the Lord. And I don't think that matters. I don't think that matters. I think that's one of those excuses and wiggle rooms that we try to use. I know some of us only show up in the summer. It's fine. It's not about our church. It's about our God. Right? 
But Restoration LA is called to be all in. My question for you guys this morning is, are you rooted? Are you rooted? Do your roots go deep down or are they just waiting to just be blown away when the winds get too tough? Are you rooted here? Are you rooted in God, most importantly? Are you established? Are you grounded? Are you anchored? I think those are important questions that we need to ask ourselves. When times get tough and the storms come and trials come and years like 2020s happen, are we gone? Are we flustered? Are we flaky? Are we shaky? Or are we rooted? Are we remaining all in? If we're called to be all in, we need to be steadfast, whether it's in our marriage, in our friendships, in our relationships, or in our ministries. Steadfastness is, is unmovable, unshakable, dependable. God wants us to be rocks. He wants us to be rocks in those areas. Men, are you a rock in your marriage? Are you a rock? Young people, are you a rock in your life? Are you solid? Are you established? Are you rooted? Important questions to ask, even at a young age. Or are you easily lured onto other things? When life gets hard and disagreements happen, and when arguments happen, then are you, I'm not their friend anymore. Unfollow, unfollow, unfollow. That's not how life, real life works. I wish it did, but it's not. It's not how life works. You need to be steadfast. Sometimes you're going to say things. They're going to hurt people's feelings. Sometimes you're going to do things and it's going to hurt people's feelings on accident. You're going to walk by somebody. You're going to give a pound. He's just going to keep walking. You're going to be like, oh, dude, you left me hanging. Right. But if we're shaky and if we're flaky and if we're uh, unreliable, that's going to break everything. That's going to ruin everything. And it shouldn't. Because we are all called to be steadfast in the Lord. Pillars. God wants us to be pillars, a pillars, a foundation, someone that holds things together. It's not just the pastor's jobs to hold things together in the life of this church. It's not. And that's a good thing. It's a good thing. We are all all in. We are unwavering, dependable. Are you, I'm sorry, are you all in, unwavering, dependable, so that others can lean on you? Pillars are solid, strength, immovable. It's easy to be all in when things are going well. But as we know, trials come, storms come, disagreements happen, distractions happen, discontentment starts to set in. The weight of life will sometimes weigh on you. It's just the way it is. But we know that, right? Because we've been through 2020. Right? Yet we're still here. The question is, will you look for some wiggle room? Will you quit? Will you walk away? Or will you stand unaffected, unaffected and unshakable, continuing to trust and abound in the Lord? Because if we abound in our own strength and we trust in our own strength, then basically it's not a, it's not a very solid foundation to lean on. It's true. So we have to understand that we are relying and we're totally trusting in God. 
We're, t- we're trusting in the Holy Spirit. We're trusting in the word of God. I hope you won't look for some wiggle room. I hope that you won't quit. I pray you don't walk away when life gets hard. To be steadfast and immovable is to be spiritually grounded. A steadfast steadfast person knows what he or she is called to. What are you called to? Who are you called to? A steadfast person knows what they believe, and they know who they believe in. We don't put our faith in each other. We don't put our faith in a worship team, in in a leadership team. We put our faith in God. Amen? They know what they believe and they know who they believe and they cannot be tossed back and forth by the waves of emotion, by the trials of life, or ear-tickling teachings. We will be firm in our beliefs, anchored in our faithfulness. We would be fixed in our trust and our love of Jesus. Does that sound good, church? Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. So what does this mean for us, for our service to God and our service to each other? Because as we understand that in Acts 2, when we're talking about being devoted to each other, it's going to take some steadfastness, right? Doing life together takes steadfastness. Our service to God, it takes steadfastness. He doesn't quit on us, right? He never quits on us. There is a promise for those who are steadfast. There is a promise for those who are steadfast. Our labor will not be in vain. So all the hard work that you do in the life of this church and outside of this church is never in vain. If, whether people recognize it, whether people see it, whether you get the credit for it, whether you, they get your face posted on the Instagram page, whatever it is, your work is not in vain. It's never useless. The hard work that you put through is seen and it's seen by the person most important and that's God. So there is an eternal prize. If that's not good enough, there is an eternal prize. There is an eternal prize, and that's heaven. So they just end this series of being all in. Let's take a look, if we can, even just now, of where you stand. Where do you find yourself? Are you all in? Are you straddling a fence? Are you on the line? One foot in, one foot out? And I'm not even talking about this church. I'm talking about where are you with God? 
And if you're great with God, then I would assume and I would hope, I would pray that you are going to be all in with this church. If you are here, this is your home. We need to understand why we do what we do. It's to win souls and to please Jesus. To win souls, to please Jesus. To love others and to love God. The two most important commandments. And when it's all said and done, and we take our last breath here on this earth, heaven awaits. Eternal bodies. An eternal home. So we need to set our minds and our hearts to be steadfast. And the one person that I could see in scripture that was the most steadfast is our savior. It's Jesus, right? That image of him on the cross, that's steadfastness. That's being steadfast. When times got hard, when trials came, when people spat at him and rejected him, He hung on that cross. Jesus suffered, yet he was unwavering. He didn't waver for popularity. He didn't waver and say, okay, you know what? I'm enough with the God talk. I want to be liked in this town. I want to be liked by these people. He didn't waver for popularity. He didn't waver to satisfy the desires of the flesh. He didn't waver and move onto something easier, which I often just think in my head, why didn't you? Right? Jesus was steadfast to the finish. And oftentimes this life that we live is, is, is portrayed and, and pictured as a race. Right? It's a race. We all are running our race. And Jesus was steadfast to the finish of that race. Jesus was steadfast, even though those who said they would stand with him left him. Many times when we choose Jesus, some of our friends, some of our family, some of the people we love dearly leave us. And then we start thinking, did I make a good decision? Did I make the right choice? But Jesus faced it, too. He faced it, too. And as he remained steadfast, he remained steadfast because it was good. Because it was the right thing. Because it pleased the Father. And he was steadfast because of his love for us. He was willing to endure all things. The weight and the sin of the world. Because of his love for us. It's God's desire that we grow daily in our understanding of him and in his word so that we will remain faithful to the end. And it sounds impossible and it sounds too hard and it sounds too complicated and it sounds like I will get frustrated in the meantime. But we understand that God gives us the strength to walk that line. God gives us the strength to to, to be able to be an immovable pillar in the lives of this church and in the lives of others. And I get it. Life is hard. Times are tough. Sometimes people suck. Forgive my language. 
But God's never wavered by those things. Right? God's never wavered by those things. So today I wanted to pray. I wanted to pray. Because we've had five, four weeks of this, this series about being all in. And since you're getting out a little early, I think we can give some time to the Lord. My beloved brethren, be steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain. That your work for the Lord is never useless. Be strong and immovable. Unbreakable. Permanent. permanent, Fixed. Stable. These characteristics don't really line up with who I am. And I know that. And God knows that. It's okay. There's times like these and there's times like moments like this where we can take that step. Where we can say, you know what, God, I haven't been all in. I haven't been in and all in in my marriage. I haven't been all in in my friendships. I haven't been in all in, in in my church family, in my ministries, with my relationships. And there's no judgment and there's no eyes looking at you and judging you and, and, and questioning you because we've all have been there that separates that is that we all haven't had an opportunity to say God forgive me I repent from those things and I'm all in so I wanted to do that this morning and with everybody's eyes closed and head bowed that is okay I just wanted to make some time for us to to, to shine a light in our hearts
Nancy's pillows. Maybe you're not perfect. God, I pray and I thank you, God, as I see 
your church right now, God. Just the steadfastness of some of the people in this room, God. You are proud of them, God. You are proud of those that have just remained steadfast, God, tilling the soil, sowing seeds, remaining that friend who is the Christian friend that has been praying for salvation to come. God, you see these people. God, you see these pillars. God, and I pray that um, if there's anything in us, God, if the enemy is trying to come in and say, you know, that's not important or no one sees that, just let go, give up. God, we just rebuke that in the name of Jesus. God, we thank you. We thank you for steadfastness in your workers. God, we thank you for steadfastness in your bride. Um, and we thank you, Jesus, that you are the, the perfect example of what that was, God, of remaining steadfast to please the Father. God, let that be us. Let, our, let that be our hearts cry, God, that we would be steadfast steadfast holding on and just being being so humbled god that you work in us you give us the willpower to remain steadfast and we thank you for that lord and so i just pray god bless bless uh, bless your bride god um we pray in jesus name amen awesome church yeah i hope you are encouraged I hope that you feel what God is saying for your life, for your ministries, for your marriages, for your friends, for your world, the world around you. Steadfastness. Be steadfast. Amen? Awesome. So one thing that, uh, yeah, we can give God praise. Absolutely. Lord, thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Um, yeah, just real quick, um, our tithes and our offerings. Um, if you are continuing to give online, which is great, I believe there's a QR code that is somewhere around. Um, you can just scan that or you can go on our website. Um, you can go, um, you can just give straight online or Ken will be in the back right there and you can hand over your offerings and tithes uh, to him as well. Um, just, to, just a reminder how important tithes and offerings are and, and, and Acts 2, where we are, are, are devoting ourselves to those things of the Lord. Um, God doesn't need your money. He doesn't want your money. Um, but we are still commanded to give, give faithfully and give generously, not only in our time, not only in our, 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 um, um, who we are, but also in our finances as well. So let's continue to be steadfast in our giving as well. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Thank you, guys.